good morning, everyone. I was not able to hear what Chris's joke was, so someone will have to tell me later. But like he said, my name is Cy Marshall, and I'm the student pastor here at Calvary, and I'm glad to be here with you all this morning. And since I'm not up here too often, I want to let you guys get to know a little bit about me today. So the first thing I want to let you guys know about me is that I'm a little bit nerdy, all right? I'm a little bit dorky sometimes. Now, this might just be a prerequisite to being a student pastor, which I meet with flying colors, uh, but if I'm honest, um, growing up, I loved Pokemon, and again, if I'm honest, I still love it today, right? And, you know, I grew up, I played the card games, I had the games on the, like, the console and everything, I watched the show, and the show started with a very famous line to all Pokemon fans that says, I want to be the very best like no one ever was. I want to be the very best like no one ever was. Now, maybe this is just a song to introduce, like, you know, a cartoon show and everything, but I also think it's a way that we live as humans all the time. So, it's quick participation here. Show of hands, who in here thinks that they're a competitive person? All right, like all of us in here, that's awesome. Now, I'm going to narrow this down a little bit. I don't mean, like, you just like to win. I'm talking about my ultra competitors here, the ones like when you're losing, your blood is boiling, if you lose, your day is over, you can't play family uh, card games or board games without like a fist fight, so who are my ultra competitors in here? All right, all right, you're my people, I admit I'm an ultra competitor, I think sometimes I can have it tamed uh, depending on what it is, but I really do hate losing, um, especially if I'm losing to my wife in Just Dance, you better believe. I'm going to be upset. But the bottom line here is we are all competitive to some degree, right? It feels good to win. We like to win. We like to feel good. We like to earn the things or like people will be like, oh, you're awesome. You've won that. But not just in games. We also like to win in life. We want the promotions, the raise. We want people to see our social media and be like, oh, that person, they're killing the game. They're really good at this life thing. I want to be more like that. And maybe you want to be just the best or the very best there ever was. And like Daniel mentioned last week, as we kicked off our, kicked off our series called Status, we've been competitive and we've been kind of like this since the very first sin. We're selfish, we're greedy, we're prideful, and we want things to be about us. And so we often try to build up our status by, you know, looking good in our careers or looking good in our schools, our jobs, whatever it is that we're doing, always trying to be the very best, always making it about us, and that's what we find our identity, and we build our status all up around that. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to li live a little bit differently. Like it's not all about us. So what if instead of trying to build up our status and constantly trying to prove we're the very best, like no one ever was, we just rested in knowing that there's someone greater, and there will literally be no one ever as good as him in the f now, in the past, or in the future. So that being said, I want to bring us to a conversation that Jesus had with his own disciples on the topic of power and status. And it's in Matthew 18, so if you've got your Bibles, you can open up there. It's Matthew 18, starting in verse 1, or as always, we'll have it on the screen. He writes, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Just five verses right here, but there's a lot to unpack and a lot we can discuss. So I just want to bring our attention to verse 1 and just talk about the disciples for a second. Just a quick reminder of who these guys are. These are the guys Jesus chose to follow him around. The guys Jesus chose to, for them to follow him and learn all the things that he's doing, and Jesus taught them about his kingdom. They got to hang out with Jesus every day, eat meals with him. They got front row seats to all the miracles Jesus performed. They got to hear him teach like on a day-to-day basis, not only just to a crowd, but also to them individually. In the middle of getting to hang out with Jesus and witnessing miracles and hearing him teach, the question they choose to ask him one day is, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I think it's a pretty bold question, especially as Luke says that the disciples were arguing and asking amongst themselves, which is the greatest amongst us, making it all about them. And so even within the 12 disciples, we see our competitive nature. We see our desire to win and our desire to be liked based off our own insecurities and focusing and making everything all about us. Me, 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 I, I, I. Instead of focusing on God and focusing on who he is and what he has done. But Jesus, being more patient with the disciples than I could have ever been, uh, he, he, he takes a breath and he calls over a child. And he says, guys, unless you become like a child, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to argue about who's the best, who's the smartest, who's my favorite? Now you got it all wrong. You must be like a child first. Humble yourself, lower yourself, and then you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus dropped the mic, walked off, and the disciples stood there confused as this is something that just doesn't click with them like it doesn't click with us. Like us, we're competitive, we want to win, we like, it's the American dream, you got to be busy, you got to work, and you got to do all the things. But Jesus drops that curveball, he says, no, no, no. Being the best isn't about building your status. It's not about making yourself look as good as you can. It's about being like a child and lowering yourself. Now, quick disclaimer before we move forward, there are a hundred different things that we could talk about, about what it looks like to be more like a child. There's a million messages you could watch and listen to about what it looks like to be more like a child. You've got the fact that there's like just this raw innocence in children, right? And they say things or get their words confused and you just look at them and you're like, aw, they're so cute the way they get their words wrong. Or the fact that they have an awe and a wonder about every single thing that they see. Like they look out in the world and their just mind is blown and it's literally just a stick and they have fun with it for the next five hours. So we could, you know, talk about all the different things, make a bullet point list. Here's the five ways we can be more like children. But I want to choose one in particular to focus on today. And that is the fact that children are dependent. Children are dependent. They're dependent in so many ways, socially, emotionally, for survival, for transportation, and so much more. And I want us to think about it like this. As human beings, we go through various phases of life as we're growing up, right? And if this was student community, I'd have you guys raise your hand and, you know, shout out a few different phases of life that we might go through. But for saving us some time and some awkwardness, I went ahead and made a list for us. Now, this list isn't like this is the list, this is psychology, this, this is just a basic list and different phases that we all go through. So we're going to have them up on the screen here. Start off as infants, right? And then we move on to being toddlers, then we've got our childhood, which brings us into our awesome teenage years and puberty. 
young adulthood, you got adulthood, middle adult, senior adult, all the adult phases. And these are just a few different phases and ways you can break down the phases of our life. And so for all of us, many of these kind of looked different. You know, my toddler years look different than yours. My teen years look different than yours. And my 20s and all that is going to look different. But there's one phase in particular that I would argue looks probably the same, if not exactly the same, for all of us. Maybe you have a guess, and that's the infant years. Because as an infant, you can't really do much, right? You can do three things, eat, sleep, dirty your diaper. And the fourth thing you do is repeat that process when you're an infant, right? Like we all went through it together. You can't do anything. They do nothing on their own, and they need 24-7 attention. 24-7 care and love. They need their diapers changed. They need to be fed. They need to be put down for naps. And they're completely dependent on their parents. And they're okay with it. It's a good thing. Like, yeah, they cry, but it's just, that's their communication, right? Like, they're like, we're dependent. It's cool. But what do we do as we get older? We start to crawl, and we start to walk, and we start to figure things out on our own, and we start telling our parents, no, I got this. And you're already stubborn as a little toddler, and then we hit our teen years, and, it, and our independence starts to rear its head in some pretty crazy ways, and I'm sure you can think of some stories. Like, I think of myself when I was um, a teenager. Uh, I remember making my high school baseball team. And once I made my high school baseball team, I was like, I've made it. I am good. My high school is huge. Like, I know everything. And my dad, who's a really good coach, he coached me my whole life. But once I made my high school team, and honestly, before that, because I was just rotten, I thought I knew it all. I was like, Dad, I don't need you anymore. I got this. You know, I've got high school coaches now. Like, the times have changed. Like, old man, come on, get with the program. We do it like this now. And here I am, a 14-year-old, thinking I'm smarter, thinking I'm wiser than my dad, who was far better at baseball than me. I still think I was faster. Uh, Dad, I'm up here. You're not, so you can't argue that. But... Parents, this is, I mean, you know, as you're growing up, you start to think, like, or as you're growing up, kids, you were like, oh, we don't need our parents anymore, right? Like, we've got this. And all the kids said, amen, and all the parents said, amen, even louder, and they're elbowing each other. But again, the, the reality is, we've all done it. All of us have been through that, and we're trying to act like, oh, I can do it on my own. I'm independent. I'm smarter than my parents, right? But the second point, and more importantly, is I think we do this in our relationship with God. We're prideful. We think we're independent. And we live many times in our day-to-day life forgetting that we have a true need for God in our life every single day. Now, second fun fact about me, one, I was, I'm nerdy and dorky. Two, I really like to listen to music. So if you come up to my office any day throughout the week, chances are I'm playing something. And Jordan and I, or Jordan and Ian are really nice to me, and they tell me they don't mind it when I'm playing music all the time. But again, I think they might just be being nice to me. But there's one song in particular I want to introduce to you all tonight. Maybe you've heard it. Um, I'm thinking more than likely you haven't. But it's called Older Than Our God by Chris Renzema. Now, this isn't your typical worship song. Like, Chris and the band, they're not going to come up here and start singing this song. It's, it's more like poetic instead of like co- uh, corporate worship together. And if you're listening to it, it could take you even five to ten times to maybe figure out what you're singing because, again, it's just kind of a weird song. So I'm going to go ahead and show you some of the lyrics from the first verse in the chorus so you can understand why I'm saying it's so weird. So here it is. For the joy of innocence... Dreaming things that don't make sense, keep me as a child. And for the things we've left behind, the space between our heart and mind, 
keep me as a child. For we've grown older than our God. We've grown older than our God. You, God, are forever young. Hear our fathers singing out to us when we've grown older than our God. And maybe you're reading this right now or you're just listening to me say this and you're having the same exact thoughts that I had. This song is weird. What does it mean? Am I really allowed to like even sing that? Like, could I put that on my phone? And I was right there with you and even today I'm still like, oh God, I remember what we're singing about here because it's kind of weird, right? But let's think back to those phases of life that we talked about and how we grow up, we think we need our parents less and less and we think we're more independent. See, I think the meaning of this song is that the same way we think we outsmart or outgrow or outneed our parents, I think we do the same thing many times in our relationship with God. I'll say that again. I think the same way that sometimes growing up that we outsmart, outneed, or outgrow our parents, we often do the same thing in our relationship with God. I mean, just think for a second. When was the last time on a day-to-day basis for like a full month you thought, God, I need you. And you remembered him every day in that need, and that desperate need we have for a savior. Your need for God's presence in your life and every single thing that you're doing. I think it can be easy for us when we first come to follow Jesus, right? Like, it's in that moment that it all kind of clicks for the first time. Oh man, like, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his love and his mercy. And in those moments, you get it, and you're on fire, and you're like, I'm going to follow the Lord, and I need him every single day. Or we remember our need for God when everything hits the fan. Everything's going south, and you feel like you can't get out of bed, and all you can do is cry and cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Pick me up. Help me. I don't know what to do. But what about those years after you first gave your life to Jesus? Five years later, ten years later, do you still feel that same need? What about when life is perfect? Everything's sunshine and rainbows. You know, you got the new house, you got a promotion, and you're living very independently. Do you still remember your need for a Savior? We're so used to living comfortably, doing things our own way, chasing the American dream, making it about us, building our status, and maybe even in a church setting trying to prove how good of a Christian you are. Always building our status, always trying to be the best, and always trying to be independent. And in those moments, we forget who we are in the whole grand scheme of things. We start to leave God out of the equation because of our success and our comfort that we live in. We feel like we've outgrown God. We don't need him anymore. Like, he helped me get to this point today, but I got this. And maybe church just becomes a Sunday thing. Or you pray if you had a bad week and you say, God, I need you. But Jesus, he takes that time to say, hey, guys, stop stop trying to be the greatest. It's not about you. Be more like a child and lower yourself and depend on me. So Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and teach us that greatness in our status is not based on how good we are, all the things we can do, how good of a Christian we are, how many days of we go to church every single month, or how independent, how much money we make, how skilled, how successful. That's not what greatness is all about. He says greatness is found in childlike humility, being more like a child and depending on God. Like a child dependent on its parent, we need to depend on our heavenly Father. But as always, the question remains, and I always say this in student community, how do we do that? 
how do we do this? It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to be like, all right, yeah, I need to depend on God more and maybe, you know, pray a little bit more. But how do we remember every day our true need for our Savior, our true need for God? And as I talked with Jordan this week, I talked with Chris, and we wrestled around some ideas, some things to talk about. Chris said something that was really catchy. You know, he's the music guy, so he's got a creative mind, not like me. And he said something like this. Don't let your greed surpass your need. Don't let your greed surpass your need. And that's going to be our daily training for today. Don't let your greed surpass your need. In a day and culture where we live independently, like we've outgrown God and we can do things on our own and we make things about ourselves and our status and our security and all of those things, we forget that we're not the greatest and that God's the greatest and we become very greedy and selfish in many ways. And we forget to put the attention and all of our focus and our need on God. And so one way I want us to practice this, practice putting our um, need more importantly over our greed, is by something we know as fasting. Now, fasting is something I think many of us have heard about. Maybe you've practiced it growing up, like you kind of did it, you know, maybe seasonally or something like that, you know, before Easter. But it's maybe not something you do regularly. And just a super quick reminder, fasting is when you take something away from your life for a stretch of time, say a week or a day or a month, however long, often food or drink related. But I believe fasting is a great way, if not the best way, to remind us of what or who our biggest need is in this life. Because as we start to remove a need like food from our life, we realize just how much we needed that food and how hungry and quick we are to become hungry. Or when we remove a want from our life, like social media or coffee, TV, whatever it is that that's entertainment or that's that pleasure for you, and we remove that and take that away from our life, we realize how quickly we wanna go back to that. Or you delete that app on your phone and your thumb keeps going back to that same spot. And in those moments where you're hungry or you're wanting to do those things, you're giving up, you remember, I'm human. And in that state of longing for food to fill you up or longing for the pleasures and the things you're giving up, you realize and we remember, these things won't sustain us forever, but God will. You know, food is only going to get you day to day. You still need to eat it every single day. In social media or, or jobs or sports or whatever, it can only entertain you and fill you up for so long but God will sustain us forever. So fasting is a great way to help us remember what our biggest, most true need is. Think back to how Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. One, that's crazy, and I can't even wrap my head around that. Two, right out of the fast, Satan immediately tries to tempt Jesus. You know, Jesus is hungry right now. He's weak, probably super skinny right now, and he comes up to Jesus, the enemy, and he's like, hey, Jesus, bet you're hungry. You know what you can do? Turn those stones into bread. You know, you can do that and you can eat it. You must be starving. But Jesus, he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is just so powerful. Jesus really could. He could turn that stone into bread and he could just start eating and he has earned it. He has fasted for 40 days. He's spent his time with the Father and he's ready to go into ministry. But he says, no, I'm not going to be tempted by you because yeah, I need food, but my biggest need is to be fed with the Father and to spend more time with Him. And Jesus reminds us that our biggest need is to stay plugged in and connected with the Father, with our Savior, with Him. So this week, I'd really encourage and really challenge you, 
if you are able to give up food for a 24-hour period. Give it up for a day. You know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all of that. I'd really challenge you to do that. But if for health reasons you are not able to give up food, I'd really encourage you to give up something that might be a distraction in your walk with God. Entertainment, caffeine, whatever. And then as you're doing that, I want you to remember that the purpose of the fast isn't again to build our status. It's not to be, oh, look at me, like, you know, I took social media off my phone for a month and I fasted, you know, and then post about it right off your fast. Or I fasted from food, hey, did you guys do the fast? Did you guys do the daily training? No, it's not about earning approval from other people or earning approval from God. The purpose is, again, to take something away and remember that our biggest need is God, not the food, not our entertainment, not whatever that is. And as you're skipping the meal or as you're skipping the late-night snack or the TV or the football game, I know, that'd be crazy, I don't know, whatever, it's, it's up to you what you're going to fast from. Take some time to pray and say, God, I'm, I'm just sorry for the way I've lived independently. Would you help me to depend and lean on you more? to remember my need for you daily. There was a moment in my life in my college years where God started leading me down a path that I was not really expecting. It was a powerful moment, and the Lord spoke to me through a pastor and through some scripture, and I was really brought to tears. And I was sitting there in this church service, having just lived the best, one of the best years of my life. Just started college, and I was loving that. I was meeting a ton of great friends. I was, make, I was really enjoying my classes, learning a lot. I mean, I was, getting, I was crushing it at baseball. It was my best year of baseball I ever played. I was doing travel ministry and getting to enjoy traveling around the states and just like doing ministry and hanging out with students and telling them about Jesus. I was building my status and trying to be the best and I was loving it. But God had bigger plans for me. He's a lot smarter than me. And he reminded me again, hey God, or hey Cy, he reminded me, hey Cy, you're not God, right? It's not about your plans. Trust me. I've got plans for you. And this is just a brief moment in a larger story. But as I was sitting there, the band got up and they started to play the song, Lord, I Need You. Already one of my favorite songs, but in that moment, it hit me like a ton of bricks and I cried even more. I'm an emotional guy, but in that moment, God is reminding me, hey, on your best days, you still need me. You still need me to get you through. You, I got you here but you still need me to keep on going. On your worst days, you need me. And I think if there's ever a song to go with this message of dependence and leaning into God and needing him, it's the song, Lord, I Need You. So here in a minute, the band's gonna come up and they're gonna play the song, Lord, I Need You. And maybe for you, you need to stand and you need to sing at the top of your lungs, like you were when you were, a, when you were a child and when you first became a believer, as a way of just submitting being like a child and just singing out loud with joy your need for God. Or maybe you just need to sit there and you need to meditate on the lyrics and just really take them in and again be reminded of our need for the Lord. And really be honest with yourself. Am I living with childlike faith? Or if I become like a teenager who's outgrown their need for God? We have an awesome heavenly father who loves us more than I could even ever put words to. So let's remember who we are in the whole grand scheme of things and remember, remember who, he, who he is. Let's be more like children and depend on him. Let's pray. God, would you forgive us for the times we've lived like we don't need you? When we've forgotten all you've done for us and all you're doing and you're gonna continue to do. And when we make things about ourselves. 
Would you help us to live more like children, remembering our need for you? Just let you hold us and just to really depend on you in every single thing we do, the good days and the bad days. God, we need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.